0: William Butler Yeats, The Second Coming. William Butler Yeats was an Irish poet who was the son of a struggling painter. He immersed himself in the myths and legends of Ireland, but was also keenly aware of the political troubles of his own day, such as the Easter Rising of 1916, in which a number of his friends were rebel leaders. His influences include the romantic poets such as Shelley, Keats, and Blake, as well as the earlier Edmund Spencer, along with the pre-Raphaelite paintings of his father and father's colleagues. Yeats knew Ezra Pound, studying poetry and Asian drama with him in 1912 and 1913. The Second Coming is Yeats's most famous poem, the most apocalyptic and the most descriptive, of the experience of modernity. It is probably one of the essential poems of the 20th century. A little background to the poem is in order. Yeats envisioned history as a series of cycles in 2,000-year increments, with each new cycle marking a reversal of values from the cycle before. Imagine two three-dimensional cones lying on their sides and each penetrating the other so that the point of one will be in the center of the widest part of the other. History moves around the outside of each cone, starting at the point, proceeding in a spiral fashion to the widest part, and then starting a new cycle by moving to the narrow point of the other cone and spiraling outward. This is what he means by his reference to the widening gyre, where gyre means spiral or circle. So each age that emerges is antithetical to the previous one, and the inspiration for this comes from our old friend William Blake, who wrote in The Marriage of Heaven and Hell that without contraries is no progression. Here is the text of the poem. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tie is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity." Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of spiritus mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs while all about it real shadows and the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle, and what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. Yates saw one age, extending from 2000 B.C., to the time of Christ. In the year 1919, he is looking ahead to the end of the Christian era, to the birth of something very unchristlike, this rough beast with the body of a lion and head of a man, whose hour has come round at last, and who slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. Yates suggests that we see signs of this in the anarchy and chaos around us. And if Yeats saw this in 1919, I wonder what he would think today. Consider the momentous and world-shattering events that had taken place in the years just before the writing of the poem, the Great War that we know of as the First World War, as well as the bloody uprisings in Ireland. No wonder that Yeats envisioned a blood-dimmed tide and a loss of innocence. It must have seemed to Yeats that the best of humanity suffered from a malaise, a lack of conviction, while all the passion and energy were with the worst of humanity, and the lines the best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity depict this cruel irony very well. This poem gives us some very famous and often quoted lines such as, things fall apart, the center cannot hold. In fact, Things Fall Apart is the title of a 1958 novel by the Nigerian novelist Chinua Achebe that is probably more widely read than any other African novel. Achebe's novel depicts the clash between Nigeria's white colonial government and pre-colonial Nigerian tribal culture at a point where it all begins to shift. The poem's closing lines, What Rough Beast?, its hour come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born, are also frequently quoted or alluded to in other texts. Yeats' second coming is not a second coming of Christ, as is usually thought of by Christians, in which Christ returns and reaffirms the values that he spoke of in the Gospels. Instead, it is a return or second coming of something entirely different, something whose values are completely antithetical to Christian values. It's the second coming not of Christ, but of that sphinx-like rough beast that had existed prior to the birth of Christ and whose stony sleep was disrupted by the rocking cradle that represented Christ's birth. Remember those widening gyres in Yeats's Schema? these interpenetrating cones that represent the spirals of history that take place in 2,000-year cycles. One begins at the point of one of the cones and spirals outward, thus widening, and when we reach the outer rim of the cone, we're at the place that is where the opposite cone begins at its point. So there is a dramatic shift, and the cycle begins anew.